Welcome back to Meraki Unboxed. My name is Simon Thompson, your host for today. We're all about training today. We want to make sure that you get maximum value out of your Meraki investment. And we know that the very best way to do that is to get some good, solid training. There's a lot to know uh, when you get under the covers of Meraki. Uh, so that's why we have some pretty extensive training options available for you. And we're going to walk you through those in today's episode. Before we get started, I just want to remind you that we run this podcast every couple of weeks. And we love having guests on here. Uh, customers, partners, technology partners, whatever you're into with Meraki. If you'd like to be on the show or just have an idea to participate, uh, please do reach out and ping me on Twitter. My handle there is at Meraki Simon. I'd love to hear from you and we'd love to get you involved in the show. So let's get straight into the episode. We have plenty to talk about today and I want to introduce uh, Aaron who is joining us from Down Under uh, and he's going to introduce himself and then we'll get into the podcast. Aaron, how are you doing today? Hey Simon, uh, yeah, doing well. How are you? I'm doing awesome. It's Monday, the sun is shining in California. Whereabouts are you? Yeah, I'm based in uh, Sydney, Australia. Sydney, yeah, Australia. About, so yeah, it's the morning, yeah. it's the morning time for you. What time are we, uh, what time of the day are we? Yeah, so it's uh, Tuesday morning. Uh, it's about 9.30 now. Yeah, 9.30 in the morning. Okay, caffeine is uh, flowing. You're ready to go? I'm into those uh, green teas and so on nowadays. So, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, I got the t- tea in and it's going. Yeah. Nice, <laughs> nice work. All right, well, um, Aaron, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, love to hear your kind of history, your career history, and, and how you ended up joining us at Meraki. Yeah, sure. Um, so it's been uh, 14 years in the in the in the industry, and uh, you know I actually took a deliberate choice of broadening my skill set as opposed to, you know, focusing on one thing. And it's not like I consciously made that decision. It's just the nature of things. <laughs> as I progressed, mm-hmm. you know, I had to pick up security, I had to pick up collaboration, I had to pick up routing switching. You know, just took up whatever came along. So as a result, I have a sort of broad skill set. So uh, I started off as a trainer. Uh, so that was in around 2007. Yeah, 2007. I started as a uh, trainer, a Cisco trainer, Cisco certified instructor, mm-hmm. and I was focusing mainly on routing switching. I think that was my comfort zone. So just stuck to you know CCNA uh, routing switching, CCNP routing switching. Oh yes. But then yeah, um, the foundations I suppose. And uh, but then you know that got me really strong in the fundamentals. You know, later on, I, I realized that when I went on to do hands-on stuff, it was like, wow, okay, my foundations are very strong. And uh, also that role allowed me to grow as well, like not just routing switching generally, but also, you know, service product routing switching, BGP, MPLS, IPv6. You know, I, I was the only one doing IPv6 at that time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, so it was, it was, that, was, that was a lot of fun. Um, but then, you know, I think I was there for about, four years approximately and I was like okay I, I think I need to diversify my skill set because things like collaboration and so on were, were coming up and they were a big thing and you know I wanted to you know diversify my diversify my skill set mm-hmm. um, and then I saw this role at Cisco and and you know they said oh you know as long as you know your routing switching stuff that's fine but the role is more collaboration focused uh, but we'll but we'll get you up to speed on collaboration so I applied and uh, yeah I joined uh, the Cisco CBC at well, that's what it was called at that time and and I think it's now called EBC executive briefing center as opposed to customer briefing center oh yes great yeah. environment those are yeah yeah and I was amazed it was here in the North Sydney office and there's a whole level level 10 <laughs> uh, just just for the customer briefing center and you know customers just come in and and I was I was amazed at how everything was designed like okay customer comes in 
the first thing we show them is the Cisco Stadium solution, and then we got the Cisco Home solution, and then we've got uh, collaboration solutions, then we got um, you know other verticals, health, and so on. Uh, it was all you know staged and step by step, so someone could just come in and walk through. You know, as a Cisco employee, you could just walk through. Oh, this is what we have. Mm -hmm. This is what we have. That's what we have. And it was never about point products. It was about oh, in health we can do this. In stadiums we can do this. It was all about you know solutions. So that was a complete new way of looking at technology for me. And uh, uh, yeah, it completely changed my perspective. That you know, it made me realize that end of the day, technology should solve business problems. You know, right, right. So, <laughs> yeah, that's the whole purpose of it. And we shouldn't forget, you know, like and things like that. So. Maybe look at the big picture. Most, maybe look at more. More. Um, it made my mindset more strategic. You know, uh, I started thinking technology from a strategic perspective, mm -hmm. and things like that. And yeah, it was it was fun role, and I had a great team leader there, and uh, you know, he was able to get me up to speed on collaboration. And um, yeah, before you know it, I was I was like doing collaboration out of the top of my top of my head. Of course, I didn't appreciate that at that time. I appreciated that when I left um, uh, the uh, customer briefing center and I actually joined a uh, Cisco Gold partner. So one of my mates um, actually became a country manager for Papua New Guinea uh, for that uh, company and uh, based in Sydney, but they opened up in Papua New Guinea. And uh, so my friend was like, hey, you know, I'm going to be the country manager in Papua New Guinea based out of Port Moresby. I need someone I trust. And uh, and I was like, OK, um, sure. Why not? That sounds <laughs> like, exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I've never been to Papua New Guinea before. It's, you know, it sounds cool. Uh, so, yeah, let me pack my bags and, uh, you know, uh, and, right. and, and, and join you guys. Uh, so it was pretty much a week's thing. I, I remember it was pretty much a week's thing, um, you know, cleared up everything, you know, like, uh, packed up and. And flew out, and new country, new people, new culture, um, and uh, and yeah, and and I was thrown into uh, pre-sales first. Um, mm -hmm. just with, with, so I was applying a lot of the things I learned at Cisco C at the customer briefing center, right? The CBC. I was uh, I learned a lot from the SEs there in terms of how to uh, sell technologies, how to pitch it, um, you know, focus on you know what problems it solves and so on. So I got to apply a lot of that stuff, and luckily my country manager who has had you know. I think at that time, I probably 15 years of pre-sales experience himself. Uh, he was able to, you know, confirm. Okay, you know, you're doing you're doing the right thing. Yeah, um, yeah, you made the right choice here, and so on. So that gave me more confidence mm -hmm. in the pre-sales side of things. Uh, and then I also got into projects as well there. Uh, so I, uh, so we merged with another local company there. Uh, so that's why we came to be called as Allcom MCR. Uh, so I joined MCR and then joined with Allcom. Our company merged with Allcom, so it became Allcom MCR. Okay. And uh, there were some projects I had to do. So I remember one of the first projects I had to do was a collaboration deployment for 900 users. And, wow. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, that so that is a big responsibility. So got it done. Um, then you know, then then it just came up. Then things just started coming up. So Cisco ASA deployment. Um, then a few Meraki deployments with the MXs especially. So MX was a big thing in, in Papua New Guinea at that time mm. because uh, Cisco had, you know, 1900 series routers and that's predominantly what they would use at the edge. But then uh, the Cisco 1900 routers didn't have visibility, you know. So, okay, you know, you just configure the connection and it's good to go. But you know, a lot of the IT managers and CTOs would like to know, like, what's my application usage, uh, what apps people right. are using. Yeah, uh, things the, the like stuff that. the stuff we take for granted now. Yeah, yeah, the layer seven visibility. Yeah. Uh, that's a key differentiator, and and we were able to position Meraki from that perspective. You know, oh, you're not just going to get an edge router, mate. You know, it's more than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and also another thing in Papua New Guinea was 
the skill set. So Papua New Guinea um, is is still a bit remote uh, from you know mainstream Australia and so on. And when it comes to IT skill sets, you know there's not much training options there, mm-hmm. or it's very hard to get training. Usually they have to fly fly to Australia to get training, and you know adding the flight costs and so on, uh, time away from work. It, it's pretty challenging for a lot of people there. So when you look at the skill sets, they're more generic. Um, so most are system admins. They know a bit of basic networking here and there and stuff like that. So that's as far as they go. Yeah, so as a result, um, Meraki was a good fit because, you know, they didn't have this huge learning curve uh, to um, manage and troubleshoot a Meraki network. It was dashboard, and they just focus on, okay, you know what, I, I, I want application visibility. Yeah, there you go. It's there on the dashboard. Right. Uh, yeah, I want to set up my VLANs or something like that. Yeah, just check these boxes and put a name for the VLAN, and you're good to go. You know, they don't need, they didn't need to focus on, learning uh, what command, how do I do it? How do I accomplish my task? They just focus on, this is what I want to do. It's there. I switch it on or off. Okay. Yeah, so very, very handy there. And um, and, and and yeah, and, and one of the first presentations I did when I landed in Papua New Guinea was to uh, do a customer presentation around, uh, around the Meraki solution. So Meraki was very new at the time and cloud managed networking was also pretty new at that time as well. And this, was, were, and this was what year was this? Oh, it was around uh, 2014. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, I think in Australia they came um, in 2012, I think, mm-hmm. uh, 2012, I think, something like that. So for PNG, you know, people uh, just heard about uh, Meraki and they didn't know exactly what it was. And a lot of people were confused about the concept of a cloud-managed network. So they're like, okay, uh, is this AWS, Azure? What are we talking about here? Mm. They said, no, 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 it's, it's Cisco's own cloud. It's, it's, and, and yeah, and, and, but, but they were able to get it. They, they, a lot of people got it in terms of uh, the simplicity of it. Mm-hmm. And especially wireless and so on is a, was a big demand in P- uh, property getting at that time. And, and being able to set up a wireless network, be it mesh or you know, simple wireless or very complicated wireless as well. well yeah, they, they were just uh, amazed by how easy it was to just manage it. You know, they did, that's all they wanted to do. Something that gets plugged in, and they just configure the thing, and it's just easy to manage, and um, and it worked very well. Uh, the messaging was very easy to do. Uh, but the main thing I remember, Simon, is that uh, the application visibility was key, and the reason why, uh, interestingly, is because in Papua New Guinea at that time, um, trying to get an unlimited internet connection per month was um, around six thousand to seven thousand Australian dollars. Ouch. <laughs> so yeah, so they were like, yeah, we can't, we can't afford to let people loose on the internet, especially from the office. Yeah. So, so, so there had to be strict controls in terms of what people are doing and how people are using the internet. Uh, some people would like to put a block, but some people would like to get more visibility as well. But either way, Meraki MX did the job. You know, it connected to the WAN connection perfectly, and they could put in layer seven firewall rules, and then they could get layer seven visibility as well, and use that data to then, you know, uh, keep uh, keep their policies up to date or evolve as the business grows. And they they just love that all everything in one box. Yeah, it sounds like you had a good time out there. Yeah, it was it was it was it was it was a lot of fun, and because it was culturally new as well for me. So, you know, a lot of people don't know in Papua New Guinea, there's about 800 languages, you know, and it's Whoa. like you know, a lot of people think Papua New Guinea is a small island and things like that, but there's actually 800 different languages. So, <laughs> you know, that many number of tribes and cultures and so on. It was, yeah, it was fun. It was, it was fun overall, even, even from a, a job perspective and even from a, you know, a personal learning perspective as well, being exposed to new cultures, new people and so on. And then you, so, and then you returned. Yeah. And, th- and then I returned, I was there for a couple of years, um, 
approximately a couple of years, I think it was a little bit more maybe. Um, and then I came back to uh, Sydney um, and um, I picked up uh, a training role. Uh, this time it was for Juniper. So I became a Juniper Network uh, certified instructor and started doing uh, Juniper training around routing switching, security, very much like the Cisco role I did uh, before, the Cisco trainer role. But this was more focused on Juniper. And uh, this actually gave me a good idea of, you know, what other vendors were doing. So up to that point, when it came to networking, it was mostly, yeah, Cisco was the go-to, right? And mm -hmm. and that is true in the market as well. But then there are there are other networking vendors as well. So this gave me an insight into what uh, Juniper is doing and things like that. Um, yeah, but uh, didn't stay too long in that role. Uh, I think it was about seven or eight months. And, uh, and I actually got called um, uh, by Checkpoint because one of the things I did in Papua New Guinea was also, you know, sell Checkpoint as well. And uh, uh, I got uh, invited by Checkpoint saying, hey, you know, we got an opening in distribution. We need a, you know, a, again, a trusted person at distribution uh, to be able to, you know, evangelize Checkpoint and, you know, uh, follow Checkpoint strategy, but from a distribution perspective. And I said, wow, you know, you don't get invited for roles, you know, all the time. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I did take that for granted. I said, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. And uh, I joined Westcott. Um, as a Checkpoint Solutions architect. And uh, yeah, the focus was on emerging technologies with Checkpoint, like mobile security, um, sandboxing, ransomware was becoming a big thing at that time. And while I was there, I thought, you know, uh, me and my manager, you know, we thought, hey, you know, I got Juniper sets already, so, and they were a Juniper distribution as well. So I thought, you know what, I, I can do Juniper as well, mate, you know. And I, I remember my <laughs> manager going, are you, are you capable of handling two vendors? I said, yeah, I got plenty of time to do that. It's all about time management. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so did a lot of Juniper roadshows and at the same time was doing a lot of, uh, uh, you know, checkpoint enablement as well, especially around the emerging technology. That's what they were more focused on. And uh, again, this was a new perspective for me um, because, you know, before that I was more, you know, uh, evangelizing towards customers and uh, distribution is evangelizing to partners. Mm. So you don't really interact with customers directly. You let partners do the thing. Right. And for, but the partner messaging is very different because partners usually have the solution figured out and they're just coming to you to get a final price or just want to, you know, confirm on a few other things, whether they're going the right way in terms of uh, the design and so on. So, yeah, it was a very new world for me and, and it gave me a very new, uh, like an like a umbrella or a, a top-down view of the partner land, you know. Uh, so very uh, good learning experience there from that perspective. Mm. Uh, then, um, yeah, I jumped into Vendorland. Uh, so I was like, you know, let's start uh, doing things for vendors because I thought my skill set, all the, all the things I learned from experience up to that point, seeing it from a partner perspective, customer perspective, I thought would be very handy. I, th I thought it would be, it'd be more valuable uh, for vendors. So put my foot in the door at Sophos. Uh, uh, was a technical trainer there um, for the APJC region. Um, I guess... Yeah, and Sophos was also a very new solution uh, for me at that time. Uh, but again, you know, firewall is a firewall, end of the day. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, technically uh, it was fine. But then the fun was, you know, traveling around the APJC region. Mm. And again, you know, cultures and so on. So, you know, Hong Kong and uh, Philippines and Malaysia and, 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 wow. and so on. It was, lots of fair miles. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, the... Uh, yeah, the lounges and so on. So got access to those lounges and things like which I needed desperately. Nice. Uh, but then also making relationships. I think that's what I value, you know, looking back at my Cisco training days and also as a software technical trainer traveling around. I mean, nowadays we don't get to travel because of the situation. Mm -hmm. 
which is a bit unfortunate, I think, personally, um, because one of the things I really value about face-to-face, -face, um, you know, engagements was um, was the relationships you built. Like even today, yeah. you know, I still remember people back in 2007, you know, <laughs> who, whom I met and so on, and, and 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 from different countries, you know. Like I remember during the Hong Kong protests, you know, I was actually talking to uh, one of my students at Sophos, you know, I was like, hey, you know, what's going on? Are you guys okay, doing okay? And you know, I was getting I was getting more up-to-date news than the news journalists. Wow. <laughs> So what is happening on the ground? So, <laughs> so things like that. You know, so those relationships is is what I value a lot. And right. and then finally, yeah, and then, finally, it led yeah. led your pathway to our door. That's right. And uh, yeah, so I realized that you know there was a big gap. Um, you know, in terms of um, uh, me 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 having done the last Cisco project or something like that. <laughs> it was quite a few years, and uh, it was always uh, an intention for me to you know come back to Cisco. I mean, initially when I worked at the customer briefing center and I left, you know, um, the value what what I, at that time when I left, I was like, oh, you know, I'm an ops engineer. You know, let me shop around and you know enable my skill sets there. But then when I left and joined, um, you know, the Cisco partner. That's when I realized what I learned at Cisco was like two or three years ahead of what the market was doing, mm -hmm. and in, in, you know, some like I remember, um, you know, so, in, in, there was a customer who had to uh, deploy uh, uh, an on-prem version of WebEx. I mean, now everything is cloud, but at that time it was on-prem version of WebEx. It was version 1.0, and I was the only one, uh, you know, who who actually had had deployed it. <laughs> you know, it, it was within Cisco, but but you know, there's there's hardly anyone in the market who who had actually had had, uh, had actually deployed it. Mm. You know, so yeah, so those kinds of things. That's when I realized, wow, you know, the skill set I have, what I learned at Cisco is actually very very valuable, and I took it for granted. Um, so I always wanted to come back to Cisco. It was always in the back of my head. And then this role, uh, you know, Meraki technical evangelist popped up and I was like, wow, you know, I haven't touched Meraki in, in a lot of time. And I did know that Meraki actually evolved, like, you know, with cameras and, and all that stuff. They had a lot of other things going on and and security as well, integration with Cisco security and umbrella and so on. So, so I knew Meraki was like really growing. And uh, I, I saw that I, I saw that as an opportunity to get back into uh, the Cisco world and especially Meraki. And I've heard so much about Meraki culture. So back again, when I was in working for Cisco Gold Partner, sometimes I used to walk into the uh, Cisco office and uh, sorry, the Meraki office to be more specific here here in Sydney. And uh, I saw a very, very unique culture, you know, like mm -hmm. looking at the support guys, you, you'd see, the, you know, I remember um, MJ, who was my account manager at that time. He's he's moved on uh, from Meraki now. Uh, but at that time, you know, uh, he was doing a show of the office and, and he was saying, oh, this is our support team. And I saw the guys, you know, just, you know, lounging around on beanbags. You know, they had a headset. Someone would be just walking around with a laptop, talking to a customer. And there was, you know, beanbags all over the place. There was a whole bag of M&Ms. And, you know, some people playing table tennis. I was like, wow, this is very different. I mean, for that time, it was very, very different. And, uh, you know, so, so, so I knew it was a very uh, fun uh, workplace at Meraki. So, yeah, so I took the opportunity and, uh, yeah, and uh, became a technical evangelist here. And that's what I am now. And, uh, and, and, and it's very good because I could use some of my experiences, uh, yeah. you know, back 14 and so on. Uh, uh, I could share my perspective of what I've seen as the growth of Meraki. And I've also seen from a competitor perspective. So I know exactly how Juniper competes with Meraki. I know how the security industry competes with Meraki and so on. So I've seen the other side as well. Sometimes, you know, um, you know, I, I share that with the audiences as well. I say, all right, guys, you know, this is some, this is, these are some of the mistakes I've seen people make when they position Meraki mm -hmm. and so on. So, 
yeah, so it's, it's, it's a it's fun now. Very interesting story. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've done some training myself uh, in right. the early days at Meraki right. and uh, really enjoyed it. It's so much fun right. uh, meeting all these people, seeing the yep. light bulbs go off as they start to learn how to do this stuff. And, yep. and, and you know, as you said, it gives you the opportunity to travel and to, to meet people in different regions and parts of the world. It's a, it's a great fun yeah. thing to do. I think if you're into yeah. um, really into the technology and you want to share that, it's a, it's a wonderful yeah. career uh to, to follow. So tell us a little bit about what the role of a Meraki technical evangelist looks like. Right. So, um, yeah, as the name suggests, you know, um, evangelist and, you know, uh, you know, a lot of people can interpret in different ways, I suppose. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a word borrowed from, from the re- religious landscape, I suppose, you know, evangelize. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, I, I guess for a lot of people, the first picture they get is, you know, uh, you know, a guy with, uh, you know, guy in shoot and tie and, you know, uh, playing hymns and, you know, singing prayers and so on. No. <laughs> so, so evangel- evangelism at Meraki is more about, you know, um, getting partners, uh, customers to know the value of Meraki. So that's one thing I've learned, uh, you know, in my career at least, is that there is the technical aspect of it, how to do things and, and how to configure this and so on. But it's important for people, everybody, you know, this is technical, non-technical, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what the role type is. It's important to understand what impact technology would have on a business. Mm-hmm. Or, and that's very, very important. The why question, you know, is very, very important. And evangelism is all about that. It's it's about why Meraki? You know, what's the value proposition of Meraki? Why would you want to have Meraki in your business? What does it do for your business? And that is the main thing. You know, it could be, and, 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 you know, I do, we, we do, uh, our team, I should say, uh, you know, our team does a lot of Cisco live sessions. Uh, I've been doing a lot of partner interactive webinars in the APJC region, uh, promoting Cisco MBs, uh, talking about switching. Uh, you know, last year we had a strategy where we wanted to um, educate uh, uh, sales and pre-sales on or why would you want to uh, have a Cisco Meraki switch network? What's the value of having a Cisco Meraki switch network? So this was aligned with uh, when Cisco announced the end of life for their for their for some of their uh, catalyst switches, and of course there's the whole Cat 9K pathway as well, uh, which is also an option for customers. But then there's also the Meraki option as well. So you know, uh, so some customers might benefit from having a Cat 9K because of its feature set, but a lot of customers would have benefit from having a Meraki cloud managed solution, mm-hmm. and some of the reasons goes back to what I learned in Papua New Guinea you know it's like you know how, how long does it take for you to swap out a switch you know I did collaboration projects you know one of the most annoying thing for me was uh, having to configure the voice uh, on the network uh, switch by switch port by port one by one I was like wow when am I actually going to get to deploy the phones when am I going to get actually going to get to deploy the video conference equipment I'm so busy setting up the whole network mm-hmm. and with Meraki it's just you know dashboard select ports click done you know so right uh, yeah so things like that you know showing people not just what the dashboard has but what value it brings you know like okay you you know this is why we have this feature the fact that you can configure multiple switches across multiple ports in one go it's cool but what's the value does it what what value does it bring okay you can save time on a collaboration project and just quickly get to collaboration stuff and not just spend two days just setting up voice vlan on a, on a port you know um so things like that. So so that's uh, where, I mean, evangelism in general is about you know explaining the value of Meraki to customers. But I take it, I I take that and and personalize it in terms of you know putting my own experiences there and and so on. And yeah, it's all about saving time on repetitive mundane uh, tasks. 
and uh, so you can focus on complexity and so on. So that's sort yeah. of the messaging we try to provide, be it cameras, switching, uh, whatever firewall. it is. Yeah. yeah. And, and I liked what you said about um, the why. That's, that's, yep. uh, there's this famous book by uh, Simon Sinek called okay. Start With Why. If you right. haven't uh, seen that book, it's definitely worth checking out. It's, uh, it's also is familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's pretty, yeah. he's a pretty well known guy online, right. and right. pretty easy to find on YouTube, I think, as well. Okay. And and sure, you know, sure. the, the, he does really focus around the importance of really understanding why you want to do something before you get into it. Yep. But of course, we're here to talk about you know for those people who are listening who actually do want to. Uh, go to that next step. They understand yep. the why and they want to actually start learning how to implement it. Uh, yep. So then we should pivot a little bit and talk about the training. So uh, so what are the, the kind of training tracks that customers and partners can follow? Yeah, so um, yeah, what, what uh, you know, we want to focus uh, on now is our Cisco Meraki Solution Specialist uh, certification we have, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it's sort of uh, it's very similar to uh, getting a CCNA or CCNP, uh, except that this is a specialist uh, certification, and uh, you know, uh, uh, as you know, Simon, you know, like. Uh, uh, or for me personally, since I touched Meraki, well, first time I touched Meraki was in 2014, and now it's what 2022 already. And and you know, there's there's cameras, there's the firewalls have evolved, switching has evolved, um, so you know, endpoint management has evolved. So many feature sets have come across, and now we're talking about going into SASE and mm-hmm. um, you know, integration with Cisco Umbrella and 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 a lot of the other, and analytics with smart cameras adoption of apis you know devops and so on so yeah meraki is is simple uh, to use and and things like that but then uh, when it comes to deployment you want to make sure that you're doing the right thing and a lot of the times i know uh, you know like engineers be it partners or customer engineers yeah they they know the solution but you know like for example you want to deploy a uh, a site-to-site VPN across uh, branch sites, and you have a you know MX in the data center, and you, you want to set up a VPN, and you want to do OSPF or BGP on top of that. People know that, but then okay, but is this the recommended way of doing things? Is this the best practice? Am I doing the right thing? Mm-hmm. Um, that's 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 always been 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 a common question. You know, and they always look up, look out, or look up or look out for vendors, or even when I was in distribution, a distributor, someone, you know, to verify that what they're doing is the right thing, and and that's what training does, and that's what Cisco Meraki Solution Specialist is all about, uh, to give the confidence uh, to you know for people who attend the training uh, to then walk away and go, yeah, I know what the best practices are. And going back to the same scenario of site-to-site VPN with BGP, people go, yeah, I, I know what the BGP options are on Meraki. I know why we have BGP there. I know the particular use cases. I know when to use BGP. I know when to use OSPF. Um, and you know, for a variety of customers, you know, they can uh, they can easily easily design a solution and be able to justify. Uh, why they're going for certain options when it comes to design, and also be able to you know implement it and and troubleshoot it uh, without um, having to have a go-to person, you know, mm-hmm. or you know let me raise a support case because I don't know what this checkbox does, you know. <laughs> uh, no training will cover that, you know. You you enable this, this is what it's 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 for. If you enable that, that's what it's for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it gives them that confidence uh, to be able to um, manage a Meraki network. And I guess from partner perspective, uh, it's it's also about managing a variety of uh, customers and being able to deal with that variety and and having you know 10 15 options maybe uh, which option is right for which customer 
so yeah so uh, so so training uh, is is all about that so tomorrow you just walk in and you go i'm a cisco meraki solution specialist uh, what that means is yeah i know what the best practices and uh, what i suggest to you is as recommended by meraki mm. and and there are a couple of tracks right you can do it yep. you can do it in a couple of different ways just based on how much time you've got uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, so there's uh, so we we split CMSs into two parts. Uh, so there's uh, um, ECMS one and ECMS two. So now ECMS is Engineering Cisco Meraki Solutions. Thank you. Right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, acronym. Just to add another acronym to the, to the ones you already have. Uh, so Engineering Cisco Meraki Solutions. So there's part one and part two. Uh, so part one is designed for people who are absolutely new to Meraki. So they might have heard about Meraki, uh, but never touched Meraki before. Mm-hmm. Um, they might have heard about Cloud Manage, but never had to deal with it. Uh, so uh, the part one, Engineering Cisco Meraki Solutions part one, is is designed for that type of an audience. So they get a feel of what Meraki is, what the dashboard is, uh, what the options of the dashboards are. So they get familiar, like, oh, if, if there's a camera, you know, this is where I go to configure these features. If there's MX, uh, I know where to go and set up a site-to-site VPN. I know where to go for uh, configuring the layer 7 firewall rules, for example. So just get you familiar with the dashboard. Uh, whereas uh, part two, Engineering Cisco Meraki Solutions part two is three days and uh, deep dive uh, uh, training. And uh, that goes into design and design and implementation, right? So ECMS1 mm. is not more about a design. It's more about, hey, this is the dashboard. Get a feel of it, you know, work yourself around uh, and things like that. But ECMS2 is like, okay, guys, let's step back a bit. Uh, let's start focusing on how you would set things up, like MXHA. One of the most common questions uh, we get. Uh, everybody knows what HA is. Everybody knows what Meraki HA does. But then when it actually comes to deployment, people are like, okay, but you know, what do I do on the WAN side? Or what is your recommendation on the WAN side? What is your recommendation on the LAN side? Do I have a you know link between the MXs? Um, or do I have uh, cross links down on the LAN side? Uh, you know, do I do um, you know Ether channel and all that stuff? So, so. People know the options, but then which option is the best option, right? So mm-hmm. ECMS2 focus uh, from that point of view. So we start with that. These are the options you have, and these options work in uh, different environments. And then now let's get to how to configure that. Uh, so you actually get to see uh, the options. And by the time I think you finish uh, Engineering Cisco Meraki Solutions 2, you pretty much know each and every option what's there on the dashboard. Mm. So every checkbox, every radio button, and when to use which option and, and uh, which option is good for which design and things like that. So... Yeah, so those are the two tracks. And, and it used to be, um, I mean, back in the early days, we used to do this right. with physical equipment and and literally yep. set up a little network in the room. I mean, obviously, in the current situation, it's not been so easy <laughs> to do that. So I'm assuming everything yep. can be delivered online now. Yeah, that's a good point, uh, Simon. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the labs, you know, are all remote labs. And that's another benefit of having uh, Meraki. Uh, because I remember back in the, uh, you know, when I was a Cisco trainer, yeah, they, they were on-prem labs. You had to maintain equipment, and then you had to open up SSH sessions and power consumption and so on. But now, you know, with uh, Meraki, it's easy. You know, uh, the uh, of course, there are labs to it. Labs is very important for technical training. Uh, so there is the opportunity for uh, the audience to get hands-on experience. But then the labs can be anywhere. You know, it doesn't matter because all uh, the participant needs is a browser. So, you know, we don't need to ship uh, you know, a, a stack, a, a full Meraki stack of equipment down to the houses and then ask them right. to ship, the, ship it back. <laughs> uh, we just said, mate, you know, all you need is just a browser and uh, here's your account and the equipment can be anywhere. 
you know, um, uh, you know that depends on the trading provider where they can, you know, host the equipment anywhere they want to. But you can run classes worldwide, um, you know, having just the equipment in one location because all the audience is a browser. That is a lot easier than the way it used to be. Oh, yeah. With like yeah. piles and piles of Pelican cases stuffed to the gills <laughs> with equipment and uh, you have to yeah. find it all, pack all the cables up, uh, put it, get it shipped around yeah. the world. Very painful. So thank goodness yeah. we've moved past yeah. that stage. I mean, and not even mention Simon. I mean, once you get all that up and running, and then you know, uh, you know, access issues and local network issues, and right. you know, yeah, you have to be there a day before. You know. Oh, you're bringing back so many memories for me right now. That's, that's incredible. <laughs> so, I, I mean, we talked about starting with why, and 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 I think we did a pretty good job already of explaining why people should want to become certified. But um, did right. you have anything else you wanted to add on that? Yeah. So you know. It, yeah, so I remember, I mean, I'm just trying to, you know, go back in time as well. And I remember I did my CCNA in 2003, right? So that's when I first oh. did my CCNA. And I realized that I had some sort of aptitude in, in networking. Um, and uh, looking back over uh, the journey of, you know, certifications and how it's grown, you know, um, nowadays a lot of people you know, take training for granted, you know, you, you know, the people just go, oh, I don't want training, you know, I'll just jump onto, you know, some YouTube sites or something like that, or, you know, I'll just watch a video and so on. That's all fine. But then what I've seen is, this is especially as a trainer, what I've seen is that kind of knowledge can be problematic long-term mm. because those are quick fixes. It's like, I guess, I guess you know, you're working in a workshop and you say, you know what, for now, I'll just put, I'll, I'll just put super glue on this and stick it together. Right. And, and, and yeah, that's okay for now, but, you don't you don't want that to be your long term solution, you know. Uh, so I'm a fix it all guy, and the only thing I have is a super glue, right? Um, that's not going to take. You, you reminded <laughs> me of uh, YouTube. Like, how many people are just get just uh, consider YouTube all they need for training on almost anything? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, it's not wrong, but it doesn't take you very far, right. you know. Um, and it doesn't make you a Meraki specialist, you know. And if as a partner, you know, you walk into a custom environment and they go. Oh, okay. Uh, so how do you know that? You know, let's say you suggest to customer, okay, you know, this is how we do the design. You know, with Meraki HA, uh, we're going to put in switches, we're going to put in a stack. And they go, okay, why do you recommend that? Oh, yeah, no, I saw this on YouTube. Uh, yeah, right. sorry, man. No. <laughs> that's, that's not very convincing, right? Yeah. Uh, but whereas you go in and you say, no, 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 I attended a three-day class. You know, um, I, I engage with Meraki people um, um, uh, on top of that and so on. You know, I'm part of the Meraki community as well and things like that, uh, which we'll come to later on, I suppose. So that gives you um, the credibility uh, to be able to talk with confidence. Uh, if you're a partner, you know, you can confidently approach customers. And if you're a customer engineer, you know, you can walk back and 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 manage your network more confidently. And in fact, you know, you might even be able to go up to your bosses, um, you know, and and suggest, you know, right now we're we're doing this, uh, but you know, there are much more better ways we could do it. Or there could be features which they didn't hear about, and and uh, now they want to, uh, they think that that feature is good for them. Like for example, you know, managing captive portals. Right. So, you know, everybody, not everybody, I guess most uh, people who have a Wi-Fi have some sort of splash page for guest access and so on. And a lot of the times is, OK, how am I going to manage this splash page? Right. And and I've, I've seen this, uh, you know, like people don't know uh, that there, there is an API for that mm. with Meraki. Dashboard. Right. So that's the Capital Portal API. And that can manage like, you know, hundreds of sites, you know, if you're a hotel and, and you've got, you know, um, uh, I don't know, a hotel branch in, let's say, Sydney, Melbourne, Perth, Brisbane, 
and then there are you know multiple events running across the cities and they're all different events and you want to you know upload those events on your splash page so people can click and you know register or whatever they want to do with an interactive splash page on the Wi-Fi how are you going to manage at that scale and and the AP, and the, there comes the Captopol APIs you know and and, uh, and and things like that so now they know oh, oh wow okay I didn't know we could do this with APIs and then they walk back go, go back to the environment and they go you know to their bosses and they go you know this is there's a much better way of doing this and let's let's do it this way that is what I learned at uh, training right so, now that's yeah. a, that's actually a very good way of putting it because like you said it's if we create a product that's relatively easy which we yep. certainly believe Meraki to be. Uh, yep. And, you know, nowadays you have such easy access to information online, then it's very easy to assume that you become an expert just by, you know, playing with it, um, just by watching a few YouTube videos. And, you know, I think you've highlighted very well there that, that actually getting hands-on and getting more of a structured approach to your learning really helps to make sure that you you don't have these big gaps because you don't know what you don't know. And uh, like yep. you said, I mean, something as simple as the Captive Portal API, which I think I'm correct in saying was Meraki's first ever API. Uh, right. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I think that's right. And, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And, and so, you know, the, just just being able to understand how to get full value out of this stuff, that's really what it's all about, right? Yeah, that's that's a good point as well, Simon. Yeah, uh, and you know, you mentioned like you know, Meraki is all about you know simplicity, and you know, yeah, it can lead to an assumption where people think, oh, simplicity means I'll just plug it in and see how we go, right. you know. And and one of the first lessons you learn in professional services is that is a bad, bad. That's gonna that's a bad idea, and that's gonna that's gonna you know come back at you in a very bad way, um, you know, uh, and, and end up end up potentially you know causing more time and cost. Down the road. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So all right. Having so, that, oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, sorry. I mean, I was just going to um, kind of move us on to uh, the sort of the, the the detail of what you cover. So, so you right. know, if we establish that it's a good idea to do it, and what yep. are the various sections of the um, of the certification? Yeah. So, so the topics we cover um, in um, ECMS or Engineering Cisco Meraki Solutions, you know, of course, we cover. Um, the dashboard, of course, that's that's the core. Um, the dashboard is everything uh, mm -hmm. with Meraki. And what you get out of the dashboard. So we talked a little bit about this earlier, but in terms of visibility. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of data on, on, available on the dashboard um, because the assumption is that the engineer is not always going to be on site. Uh, you know, uh, you, you'll most likely be remote and you need to be able to quickly jump onto uh, your management platform and be able to quickly see what's happening on the network, uh, be it, you know, device status, uh, be it what's happening with my VPN, be, be it what's happening with my application usage. So we, we cover all that, how, to, how best uh, to use the dashboard, not really just from configuration perspective, but also be able to um, know what type of data the dashboard can provide as well to help you. Uh, then, of course, the whole uh, Meraki feature set. That's another very important aspect. So, uh, you know, Meraki has firewalls with the MXs. Then we have uh, switching, campus switching. Uh, then we got endpoint management with systems manager. Then we've got Meraki cameras. Uh, so someone who comes in for a Meraki training and walks back, they'll know the Meraki portfolio and the feature set across those portfolios as well. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, then, of course, uh, I mentioned this before with design. Uh, you know, for me, I think, I think, I think I'm putting a bit of personal touch there, because for me, when I was doing professional services, it's getting the solution right is is the main thing. So once you get the design right, then everything else flows smoothly. Um, if you don't get the design right, then yeah, you're always going back to the drawing board. And so that's true. So true. Yeah. 
uh, you're going to cause a lot of delays when it comes to implementation. It doesn't make you look good, you know, uh, as an engineer or even your company. You know, it doesn't make uh, them look good as well. So, so architecture and design being the main thing. So wireless design, MX design, like HA design is one thing we go through. Side-to-side -side VPN design, SD-WAN design, so on. Um, so that's all covered. Then, of course, how to configure it and set it up. And then after that is the troubleshooting bit, right? So how best to use the dashboard for troubleshooting? And, uh, you know, a lot of the, so I think uh, for a lot of people who come from traditional networking into Meraki, I think one of the challenges is they're so used to following a methodology for troubleshooting traditional networks. Like, okay, something goes wrong. Oh yeah, let me SSH into the box, uh, run a ping command, run a, uh, run a trace out command, uh, run this command, a set of commands, get data, and then move on to the next. They have that very, um, you know, scripted approach. Um, but with the dashboard, it's all there on the dashboard, but it's a bit different because it's cloud managed. You, you know, you're not going to connect directly to the box. Mm -hmm. You're going to go via the cloud. And the dashboard has all that stuff. You can ping, you can trace out, you can do DNS lookups. All that is there. And it's important to know where they are. And, you know, sometimes you might just go, oh, it's how do I do a ping? And, you know, you, you might have deployed a very complex Meraki network and you just go, uh, yeah, I don't know how to do a ping using the dashboard. <laughs> and <laughs> you know, and, and, and that's important. So what type of troubleshooting tools are there and how best to use them and troubleshooting workflows. Uh, so we go through that as well. And wireless especially, like wireless is a very tricky thing uh, to troubleshoot. I mean, uh, you know, wireless is simple to deploy with Meraki, mm. but then when something goes wrong, like when a user complains and goes, yeah, it's, my Wi-Fi is not working, how do you decode that? You know, how, how do you get to the root cause of that? Um, so data is very important and, and stay on the dashboard and, and, and we show them how, how best to uh, get that data and how best to, you know, even, even correlate some of the information and get to the root cause. So, yeah, so, so I guess to summarize, you know, design, implementation, troubleshooting, those are the three main aspects we cover across cameras, wireless, endpoint management, MXs, um, yeah, across the entire Meraki portfolio. So okay, I mean, this is this is all sounding very convincing, and I'm imagining there'll be a few people listening, thinking, okay, I need to, you know, go beyond what I've learned for myself and and actually go ahead and get certified. So what are the steps? Like, yep. what's the recommended training? How do you take the exam? How does it all work? Sure, sure. Um, so we do have. A, before I go, I'll, I'll go into the steps, of course, but uh, just want to highlight a few links uh, people can go to, and I think Simon, you're going to add that. Yeah, link, we'll uh, put those uh, in the show description. Yeah. No, fair enough. Yeah. So yeah, please do go to those links uh, as a, as a starting point. So there's cisco.com forward slash go forward slash Meraki cert. Uh, that's a very good start. And also we have the community page as well. Um, uh, so the link will be posted uh, below the sport podcast. Uh, so those are two good starting points. So one thing what you need to do is uh, uh, go to those links and check out uh, the topics we cover. I mean, I just told you uh, at a high level like design, implementation, troubleshooting, and so on. But to get a detailed breakdown of the topics, like ECMS 2, three days, what are we going to cover? You know, So have a look at the course agendas, um, exam objectives as well. So uh, so yeah, so, I mean, East Engineering Cisco Meraki Solutions are very helpful when it comes to real-life deployment. But then when it comes to going and getting your certification to give you that credibility, uh, one of the tricks, I think, Simon, you know, I think you relate to this as well. You know, there is this exam thing. So you need to focus on uh, you know, passing the exam as well to get your certificate. So uh, uh, having access to exam objectives. So jump on the community page, have a look at the exam objectives, uh, look at the course agenda. And the next thing is uh, to, uh, you know, subscribe for a delivery method. So we do have instructor-led training. 
which is provided by learning partners across the world. Uh, we do have a Cisco Learning Locator, which you can use uh, to uh, find, I guess, uh, the closest or the earliest uh, schedule. And then there's uh, Cisco Digital Learning as well. So we got uh, uh, the ECMS1, ECMS2 uh, as e-learning, and this is specifically for people, you know, who might not be able to jump onto an ILT training or the dates are not to their convenience or, you know, it does happen in engineering, you know, um, you know, people get called away from projects and so on. So mm -hmm. time is a constraint. Yeah. So, so Cisco Digital Learning gives you that flexibility of, um, you know, self-paced uh, learning. I mean, ILT is preferred. Uh, because you get the full benefits of what I mentioned earlier. Um, you know, face-to-face uh, -face training is always good. Uh, but again, you know, it's not... Uh, uh, but then you have the digital learning as a uh, sort of a alternative option. Yeah. Then uh, we have the exam self-study guide, which is in the same link as the community link, uh, which has been posted. Uh, so from there, if you scroll down, you'll be able to get to the exam self-study guide. So this is like a book if you want. So one of the common questions we get is, you know, is there a Cisco press book um, like the CCNA or something like that? We don't have a press book as yet. It's it's probably the roadmaps uh, uh, at the moment. Uh, but we do have like a self-study guide. And one of the important things we expect people to do after the training is to go through documentation. Uh, Meraki documentation will be their single source of truth. And uh, of course, you know, uh, you know, someone who's new to Meraki or new to documentation, the pain is searching for all that. Mm -hmm. So what we have done is we have consolidated all the documentation articles together in one page, and that acts as a self-study guide as well, and also as a quick reference uh, for more details and so on. And of course, you know, as features evolve, um, you know, they can always go back to those links to get the most updated information as well. So many ways to do use those consolidated set of links um, as a self-study guide for exam or just to make sure they're up to date on uh, what's happening with the feature sets and things like that. Uh, so there's the exam self-study guide to uh, go through. Uh, then uh, also in the community page, you'll see a link for a self-study lab supplement. So again, you know, training doesn't end there. You, you don't end everything with just the training. Uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, self-learning you can do as well. So after that, uh, we expect people probably, you know, they might want to go and say, okay, you know, I, I want I want to set up my own lab. Uh, so we do have a lab supplement, which actually goes through what's the best uh, best way to set up your lab uh, with the with the hardware. So what hardware uh, you can use and how to connect it and. Um, and and uh, that would be the best environment, uh, especially when you're practicing for the exam and so on. Uh, then, of course, uh, we have the Meraki uh, community. Uh, that's that's the link. I mean, you'll get access to the community. Uh, but that's uh, another thing to note as well. So, um, you know, community is a, is a very good location, and I think we'll talk about that a bit later on. Uh, and then uh, once you're ready, uh, yeah, go and schedule uh, your exam at uh, Pearson VUE, uh, just like you would any other Cisco exam. Uh, you just need to search for the specialist track. Uh, it's listed under the Cisco specialist tracks, and um, you know, look for the exam number 500-220 and uh, Engineering Cisco Meraki Solutions. And uh, I think nowadays, um, well, it's not. I think I know nowadays, uh, Pearson VU is also um, providing a remote format as well, so you can you know do the exam uh, from home uh, once you get your camera set up correct. And, or you can turn up at a center and do it as well. So you got that flexibility, depending on what situation, you know, a particular region is that, are they under lockdown or not under lockdown? Yeah. So yeah. There's, there's definitely been plenty of adapting going on all over the place. And this is just another example of that. It's um, it's cool yep. talking about the, uh, the self-study lab guide as well, just being able to yep. 
to plug the kit in if you can get your hands on it. It's a really yep. fun way of learning. Um, I did want to, yeah, I did want to pick you up a little bit on the community side of it because I know, sure. we know, I remember you talked uh, when you were giving us your introduction on your own sort of journey that you talked yep. about the importance of keeping in touch and uh, and just kind of staying connected with people that you've oh, trained yeah. with in the past and, and also yep. just now you mentioned staying current and making sure that the that the knowledge is kept fresh as well so yep. to maybe just uh, spend a couple of minutes telling us about how the community plays a role in helping with that right yeah so uh yeah community meraki community is a very uh, active uh, place um um and uh, there are a lot of people contributing and also taking away information from communities i guess that's what that's the definition of a community i suppose simon mm. so <laughs> you give and take you know um and that's exactly what it is uh so for a lot of people let's say who are just getting started on meraki um you know they can jump onto the communities and we, we now even have uh, a section for newbies you know people who are new to meraki uh they, they can join they can start off from there and then move on uh, and then uh, they can gain a lot because a lot of people post, uh, um, you know, comments on new features, or some people have problems in their networks, and uh, they just share. They go, "Hey, I've seen this problem. You know, has anybody else seen it?" Um, and, and a lot of people jump in, including Meraki employees as well. So I'm there. My colleagues are there. Uh, a lot of the SEs are there. So a lot of the Meraki employees are there, and they uh, jump in and give answers as well. And especially around new features, new firmwares, you know, people are like, oh, what does this do? What What do you mean by this and all that stuff? So there's always, you know, a contribution from Meraki people as well. And then there are also veterans. So there's a lot of, um, you know, Meraki engineers in there from partner land and customer land as well, you know, who have been doing Meraki for a good decade or so. And, uh, you know, and, and, they, and, and they have a lot of knowledge base they want to share, you know, mm. and and they're there on the communities. You can ask them, and they're they're more than happy to answer your question and so on. We and we, once... we know them well on the podcast because we've had uh, <laughs> oh, we've right. had some of yeah. these all stars, as we right. call them, on the podcast. Oh, yeah, uh, in fact, right. the last yeah. episode of last year. So um, go back yeah. about three or four episodes. You'll find it. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and then after you get to a certain level of skill set, I suppose, and you get very familiar with, uh, more familiar with Meraki, I suppose. And then you can start contributing as well. And then and then you just mentioned it, Simon, you know, you could become the next uh, all-star as well. Uh, so that has the, you know, that gives the constant engagement uh, with uh, Meraki and uh, for a participant who's trained. And uh, um, yeah, learning from other community members, contributing, um, oh, and especially, you know, getting access into information about new features, maybe even getting access to beta firmware as well, signing up for betas, you know, uh, you could, you could, you could uh, try it out and help Meraki as well by mm -hmm. giving feedback um, uh, on firmware, help improve our product. Um, you know, so a lot of Meraki staff are on there, especially product teams, and they're watching. And uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be it'll be very good. And in 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 exchange, you know, you can try out beta firmware, and uh, you know, keep yourself up to date with what's happening um, with with Meraki and and in the and in the industry in general. And you talked about uh, you know keeping fresh there and keeping up to date with things that have been happening. So give us examples yep. of a couple of things that have changed in the last couple of years. Uh, right. Uh, so, uh, so yeah. So, from a training perspective, um, you know, like Meraki Networks uh, has evolved. I mean, we keep saying that at a high level, I suppose. But, <laughs> but then, so, so some examples would be uh, like what I face when I when I talk to uh, Meraki engineers uh, on the field is, you know, when we talk about uh, 
BGP and OSPF. Like for example, everybody knows uh, Meraki uh, switches have OSPF on them, and Meraki MXs have OSPF on them. But then, uh, but then you know we have BGP. Um, I think uh, BGP um, was uh, officially in the firmware probably a couple of years ago. I think yeah. uh, like globally supported. And so one of the common questions I get is, yeah, I, I, I get BGP, but then why would I want to use BGP? Because I've been using OSPF all this time. What's the use cases of BGP, right? And uh, and of course, in, our, in the training courses, you know, we actually cover um, how we, how Meraki went about doing BGP and how Meraki simplified BGP as well. And uh, that then everybody just goes, oh, Okay. Yeah. Actually, you're right. You know, BGP is actually. Um, yeah, I, I was intimidated by BGP because I thought, you know, I might have to, you know, configure this, configure that, neighbors and neighbor relationships and uh, autonomous systems and so on. But then the way Meraki does it is a lot of the heavy lifting is done for you, and uh, and 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 so you know, um, so that BGP is a, is a big question we always get asked: when to use BGP, why to use BGP. Uh, then auto VPNs is another example. Auto VPNs very simple to set up. You know, two-step process. You know, um, yeah. Uh, select the topology, full mesh, hub and spoke, and then advertise the subnets. But then, what I've seen is when it actually comes to deployment, people get a lot of questions. Mm. Uh, they're like, "Oh, um, yeah, I've got you know these branch sites all coming back to a DC. Do I need do I need to configure my DCMX in VPN concentrator mode, or do I just leave it in routed mode?" Well, yeah, which which option should I go for? Um, then there's things like, uh, okay, if I go to VPN concentrator mode, then what are the gotchas? You know, what gotchas do I look out for? You know, does it work as it is, or do I need to look out for anything else, like in other parts of the network, right? So maybe they have another gateway there, another router there, or another switch there. Uh, you know, what are the gotchas? You know, mm. so those kinds of things. And uh, SD-WAN design. So SD-WAN has become a big thing. And slowly we are going with uh, SASE as well, so secure SD-WAN. So SD-WAN is no longer about you know getting just a couple of WAN links up and connected, and then saying, oh yeah, you, oh traffic, traffic one, go this way, traffic two, go this way. You know, uh, it's become more complicated now. You know, you wanna you wanna add security to it, uh, you wanna be able to add uh, application routing to it, uh, and you wanna make sure you get it right uh, the first time. Uh, so SD-WAN. Uh, is something which has evolved, um, especially from a design perspective, because it's not straightforward anymore. There's a lot of other things you need to add on top of SD-WAN. Uh, so getting all those um, all those bits and pieces, I guess it's uh, bits of a puzzle, right? Pieces of a puzzle together uh, to get the uh, right picture at the end. Mm, um, absolutely. That's, that's, yeah, that's something very key. Uh, some of the times I get asked on things like wireless layer 3 roaming. So in the wireless section, most people will go with NAT mode or bridge mode. And then suddenly they'll go, oh, what does this layer three mode do? And why do we have two options for layer three mode? You know, <laughs> so there's layer three roaming and then there's layer three roaming with the concentrator. I know I've never seen that. I've never tried that. What does that do? Um, and also even, you know, taking a step back, some people even go, does Meraki even support wireless layer three roaming? Um, so we do have like, you know, centralized and distributed, uh, which, uh, which customers can choose from. Uh, but the thing is knowing your options, right? And, yes. uh, yeah, so yeah, 100%. Well, okay. Um, so, Aaron, we're going to start moving towards the conclusion here, but I did want to ask okay. you one more question, uh, sure. which was around, you know, what's next? I mean, what's next for you? What's next for kind of training and evangelism at Meraki? Right, right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I do play a, a big role um, beyond evangelism in terms of, uh, um, you know, evolving the content and so on uh, with the, uh, you know, Meraki training courses. Uh, I do contribute a lot. Uh, so, 
what we want to do as well, what we want to do from a trading perspective is to be able to adapt and evolve uh, to where the market is going and, uh, you know, make sure we're not doing old school methods which don't uh, <laughs> apply anymore and be relevant to the market and relevant to the new ways of learning and so on. Um, so we are planning to break things down. Uh, so, of course, you can, you can still come for a three-day class and, you know, do the full uh, training. That option is still there. But there are some times, you know, where people need to just quickly get up to speed on a particular technology. You know, we don't want to go YouTube way like we spoke about before, Simon. You know, we don't want to go that simple as well. Mm -hmm. But we also want to make sure that, you know, people are get the comprehensive information about a particular technology. Like, for example, uh, at, uh, in some regions, like MX is the strongest product. Uh, being sold from Iraqi perspective. And to deploy an MX, you know, doing SD-WAN is important. And they want to apply, uh, let's say, you know, Cisco umbrella integration on top of it for centralized security. Um, and we just, you know, uh, you know uh, publicly released the SD-WAN connectors uh, uh, on top of our auto VPN. So the thing would be, okay, how do I, how do I design this? How do I uh, enable this? What features do I get? So, you know, the idea is to have a small modular training um, on that topic. Um, it's, it's, it's still early days, but uh, the uh, high-level, uh, um, I guess, uh, principle is to split up all the topics into smaller, easily digestible modules. Right. So, you know, you still have the option of doing the full training, but then to help you with your work or with your project, you can just go on to this uh, short training on that specific topic, know what, what needs to be known on that topic, and then and then go to implementation and, and be comfortable in deploying that. That's exciting. I like that idea because you, you, you're really trying to cater to different learning styles and, That's and right, like you yeah. said, practical yeah. realities of the amount of time yep. people have available because we don't all, That's right. sadly, don't all have uh, three days to dedicate as yeah. much as we might like to do that. All right. Well, Aaron, thank you so much. I mean, that has been a, a very thorough um, look through the world of kind of training and evangelism, of course. And um, so we're very clear, I think, on what people can do who've been listening to the show if they'd like to take the next steps. And, and obviously, we'll put the link that, uh, that Aaron mentioned into the show notes as well. So have a look for that if you're interested in taking the next step. Uh, but it really just remains for me to say, Aaron, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us today. Yeah, no worries, Simon. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure to join you on one of your podcasts. I mean, I've been watching uh, episodes uh, from your podcast all the time. And uh, yeah, it's good to be on the other side for now. Fantastic. For a change, I suppose. <laughs> all right. Well, um, that's been fantastic. So thank you again. And awesome. For those of you listening, thank you so much for sticking with us through this episode. We have certainly given you plenty of useful information there to, to learn how to move ahead with uh, understanding Meraki, understanding the principles, understanding why. Super crucial. Don't forget that one. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another episode. And so until then, we hope you keep well. And we'll see you back here very soon. Bye for now.